asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking smart tax planning moves with Sean Mullaney. Sean Mullaney is a financial planner, CPA, and the president of his own company, where they offer fee-only financial planning. Sean's career path took him from uh, getting a degree at law school, landing a job with the IRS, to working for a couple of the big four accounting firms, uh, and then finally to starting his own business uh, and building it from scratch. In addition to providing fiduciary financial advice to his clients, Sean also writes over at phytaxguy.com, where he blogs, uh, of course, <laughs> about financial independence and taxes. And so with tax season upon us, uh, we wanted to bring Sean on to discuss what listeners need to know about filing their taxes this year. So Sean, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Matt and Joel, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Sean, we're so glad to have you. And the first question we ask everybody that comes on the show is, uh, gives us like a, a window into the kind of person you are. And uh, Matt and I, we drink a craft beer on every episode because we love beer. And it's one of the things that we're willing to splurge on now while we're also saving and investing intentionally for the future. So um, yeah, what is that in your life? What's your craft beer equivalent? In my life, it would be travel to Hawaii. So I grew mm. up on the East Coast. And until my honeymoon three years ago, I had never been to Hawaii. And now that I live in California, Hawaii is very accessible. 
and my wife and I have now been twice. And in Ooh. after coronavirus, I'd like to get back. And these days, actually, a little uh, side diversion I have is occasionally watching on YouTube some Hawaii travel videos. It's just a great <laughs> place. So many different types of environments and leisure activities. So in my life, uh, vacations in Hawaii would be nice. my sort of craft beer equivalent for you guys. I'm jealous because you can get there way cheaper than Matt oh, and I can from the East Coast. Yeah, right? what, what's the typical affordable ticket? What's a good price for you? Well, boy, it'd be like maybe $400 would be a good price. Okay, Where okay. we've had some savings is through thank you points. My wife has credit card points that we're able to use for accommodations. So that's sort of where we get the financial savings in terms of going to Hawaii. Airfare is still relatively expensive, though. That was certainly true before coronavirus, and I suspect it's going to be true after coronavirus. Well, well Sean, let's, let's dive into some of this, some tax talk. <laughs> First <laughs> of all, you got quite an, an educational and, and, and work history. How did you c- kind of like make the jump from the, the corporate world to doing your own thing, to starting your own business? Yeah, so I've always be, been interested in personal finance. It's always been sort of a, a hobby of mine. And I had a career in corporate tax that really treated me well. It was a great career. I got to travel to different client sites and different parts of our country. Um, But I always had that sort of longing to do my own thing and to go more on the personal individual side of finance. And so eventually I saved up some money and decided to leave big four accounting and start out my own venture. And I set up my own registered investment advisor firm. Uh, I've been doing it as of this recording being released a little over two years. And it's been a great adventure. And You know, recently I listened to a podcast where it was someone who has their own business and they said, yeah, well, we've been doing it for two years, so we're really only just beginning. And that (laughs) rung true to me. I said, wow, isn't that interesting? They're two years in. I'm not even two years in. And they're saying they're just beginning. And I think it is, there is that piece of you're learning the business of the business, right? So, you know, I provide financial advice to, to clients, but I'm also building my own business. And there's always lessons to be learned in terms of building your own business, which I'm sure Matt and Joel, you guys learn lessons every day. We like to think, every okay, I know this business and I can run this, you know, no problem. There's nothing new under the sun. And it turns out when you're running your own business, there's a lot of new things to be thinking about in terms of how you run your business. All right. So I, I totally agree. Matt and I, we're learning every single day about you know working together too, especially when you're working for someone else and you're not a solopreneur. There's an element of, of that, right? Of partnership. But uh, yeah, Sean, what have you learned? Like, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in the first couple of years kind of getting up to speed? I would say having grace with myself in terms of results, mm. right? So I, I think there's this impression when you work in corporate America, right, that we're always going to be successful and we're always going to meet our numbers and we're never going to make a mistake, especially in terms of um, client acceptance. So I'll give you uh, one example. No is a very powerful term when you're a solopreneur, right? Because there are times where opportunities come to you and it's like, okay, if I take this opportunity, I'm going to make one X, But if I say no to this opportunity, I'm going to be able to say yes to another opportunity, which will pay me 2x or 3x. Mm. I think when you work in W2 corporate America, there's this pressure to always say yes to any new assignment, to any new challenge. 
in being a solopreneur, I've found that sometimes no is the most powerful term because yes, you're saying no to one opportunity, but by saying no to that opportunity, you're saying yes to something that could get you two or three times the amount of revenue or rate per hour or whatever it is. So the power of no is so important and it's something we're not conditioned to say. We're conditioned mm -hmm. to say yes to our teachers, our professors, our parents growing up. And then it's like you become your own business person and you probably better be saying no, because if you just say yes all the time, you're going to take work that probably isn't the work you should be doing. Yeah, not just from uh, from an income standpoint, but from a just a self-fulfillment standpoint, too, <laughs> right. right? You know, and uh, Sean, I feel like this kind of leads into maybe your definition of financial independence, which, you know, you, you mentioned on your site, it's not about getting rich. So what does financial independence mean to you? What's your what's your definition? Yeah. So my definition of financial independence is arranging your finances so that other things in life can take the priority, right? So I believe what you're trying to do in financial independence is get to a place where you have more options for the things that really matter in your life, whether that's your spouse, your children, travel, charity, um, working a more flexible schedule, right? All these sorts of things as opposed to... Um, hey, I have a FI number, right? I'm going to get 30 times my expenses every year or 20 times my expenses every year or 25 times. There's nothing wrong with that, right? There are plenty of people in the FI movement, the FI community, whatever you want to call it, that say, my goal is to get 25 times of my annual expenses and that's financial independence for me. I think that's great. But for me, it's more about let's make good decisions in our financial life that gives us better financial outcomes over the long run, that gives us more options for the things that matter, for our faith, for our family, for charity, for travel, all those sorts of things. Yeah, it's a, a, a nice holistic view, Sean. I, I appreciate your perspective on financial independence because, yeah, sometimes it can be all about the numbers and, you know, we leave uh, behind real life in the process. Um, and let's let's talk about uh, taxes, too. That's what we're going to spend most of the rest of this episode talking to you about. And the real reason that we want to talk about taxes is because there's a lot of money on the line and some of the money moves you make will affect your, uh, how quickly you're able to reach financial independence, maybe as an end goal, right? But also in the interim, how that affects your life. So to put things in perspective for folks, how much money could like the typical American household be unnecessarily paying in taxes? How much could poor tax planning actually be costing us? Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's hard to exactly quantify it. I, I look at it in two buckets, right? One bucket is what I'll call tax optimization. So folks, for example, I've seen it where folks leave something like a Roth IRA on the table, right? So they qualified to contribute to a Roth IRA. They had the money to do it, but they didn't do it, right? So the money remains in taxable accounts. In any one year, that's only going to cost you a relatively modest sum. That will build up over time, right? Mm -hmm. So that's going to be very dependent on just how much income you have, what your marginal tax bracket is. But you know, let's just say you forwent, you know, forwent Roth IRA contributions of six thousand dollars over a decade. That's sixty thousand dollars at least that could have been in a Roth that's now in taxable accounts. 
you know, even at a, a 2% yield, that's $1,200 of dividend income every year that's now going to hit your tax return every year, even at a qualified rate of, say, 15%, we're talking about $200 of leakage every year that's compounding, right? Hmm. Now, that's not the end of the world, okay? There's still ways to get to, say, financial independence or retirements if you're not optimized. That's one example. Here's the second example, though, what I'll call um, tax problems. And where this <laughs> is, is, hey, you know, um, this isn't a... Roth IRA, this is, I'm going to set up my own business, and I'm going to set up my own S corporation, and I'm not going to work with a professional. And so what do I miss? Maybe I miss paying myself a reasonable compensation out of that S corporation. Maybe I miss my solo 401k, or I what I do is I over contribute to my solo 401k. Now I have excess contribution taxes. Now I have plan disqualification I have to worry about. Now I have remediation costs when the IRS comes in and says your solo 401k is no good or you have to go apply for, they call it the voluntary compliance program to solve that or fix that solo 401k. Or the IRS comes in and audits you and says you owe all these back payroll tax taxes plus interest on that, right? So that's where it's like, hey, you know, if I'm going to be a little more sophisticated in my life, that's fine. But that's sort of an indicia of, you know, wait a minute, I should get a professional involved in my life just to make sure I'm not missing opportunities and I'm complying with the law in such a way that the IRS can't come back to me and say, hey, where's all those payroll taxes, you know, Mm -hmm. you owe us where, you know, you put too much in your solo 401k, you know, you have to withdraw that and pay a tax and deal with that sort of stuff. So I, I think it's two buckets, Matt and Joel. It's a little hard to quantify because it is so specific to your situation. But, you know, I look at it as with some advanced planning, you can stay on the right side of the IRS and take advantage of all the legal opportunities you have to mm. build wealth in a tax advantage manner. Yeah, yeah, it's not just about the savings here now or month to month, but I mean, the amount that you could be kind of screwing yourself over could be, I mean, theoretically, it could be infinite. You know, like, yes. I guess it just kind of depends on how much you are earning because a tax mistake for, for Bezos is going to look a lot different <laughs> than a tax mistake for Joel. Right. You know? Well, and, uh, and another thing to think about is just the concept of tax insurance, right? So the idea of a Roth IRA, for example, it's such a great idea in part because you lock in today's relatively low tax rates we don't know what tax rates are going to be in the future. It could be that they come down, but considering the federal deficit and other factors, it may be that tax rates go up. And it may be that you're going to live 80, 90, 100 years. Wouldn't it be nice to get into your 80s or 90s and just know that you have tax-free accounts that are growing tax-free. You never have to worry about required minimum distributions. You never have to worry about tax rate increases. To my mind, it's like, Let's get some tax insurance. You know, let's do some good tax planning to get money into tax-free accounts if we can. And you know what? If tax rates never go up, well, it's like insurance, right? It's like when we pay our auto insurance bill every you know year, we hope we never use it, right? We hope it's a waste of money. Same knowing, with that life insurance. Yep, knowing that it <laughs> may be the case that yeah. Um, we're never going to use this, but very likely we may have to use it at some point, and we're going to be glad we did that if we ever have to, uh, you know, to be worried about increasing tax rates. 
Right. Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking about some different situations here, depending on the person. But, yes. you know, for you, as someone who, who helps other people with their, you know, with their taxes, can you give some thoughts on, like, when does it make sense then to do your own taxes and when people need to maybe hire someone to help them file their taxes? Yeah. So if your tax planning is limited to, I have a W-2, I contribute to my 401k, I contribute to a Roth IRA, I'm well within the income limits of contributing to a Roth IRA, that doesn't scream out, hire a tax return preparer. Doesn't mean you shouldn't, right? At all levels of sophistication, you should consider hiring a tax return preparer. But some indicia that you might want to hire a tax return preparer often involve things like self-employment, having your own business, possibly having a side hustle. Those are indicia that, boy, I might need to um, hire a tax return preparer. Another one would be life changes, right? So I have my first child, I get married, I have a death in the family, some big change in my life, I buy a house for the first time. That could also be an indicia that, you know what, maybe I want to hire a professional to do my tax return this year. Yeah. And uh, Sean, on your blog, you've written about how looking at your return from the prior year can actually help you when it comes to filing your taxes for the current year. Like, Absolutely. When you're doing that, like if you're trying to DIY, uh, what are the things you need to be looking out for from a prior year's return so that you can do it yourself? So I would look at things like, did I file a Schedule C, right? So that is self-employment income. Did I file, file a Schedule E? That's usually rent and royalty type income. Um, I would look at things like HSAs. Did I take an HSA distribution, right? If I'm young and healthy and I took an HSA distribution, that could be a planning opportunity that, no, I want to, in the future, keep that money in the HSA to grow tax-free for a long time. I would look at my Schedule D. So there, Schedule D is for capital gains and losses. Uh, there's a box on there for something called capital gain distributions. While I'm not here to give anyone investment advice on this podcast, I will say capital gain distributions are sort of the boogeyman of the investing world, right? So these are distributions where you have a mutual fund or an ETF, and it generates these things called capital gain distributions because there were sales inside the mutual fund. Some of them are unavoidable, right? So having some capital gain distributions is unavoidable if you're going to invest in taxable brokerage accounts, perfectly fine. But if you've got a big number in that capital gain distribution um, box, you might want to think about, hey, is there a way I could reallocate my portfolio You know, in, in a tax advantage manner? You still got to worry about gain on the sale of that would be generated if you reallocate it, but maybe you have a loss in that security and it generated capital gain distributions. That can happen. Maybe there's an opportunity to do some reallocation of my portfolio if I've got a big number in that box. So those are just a few examples. Like you said, I blogged about this. It's a little bit of a way of, let me take a look at last year's tax return with a critical eye. Maybe there's some planning that that tax return will reveal to me. That's good. That's good. It's, you know, it's good to see who needs to consider maybe some professional help. You know, it's something we talk about here often on the show, how there's a lot of the basics that you need to know that you can figure out yourself. But when it comes to, to tax law and how that's kind of constantly shifting and, and just all the fine nuances, sometimes that does make sense to, to bring on a professional. Uh, you know, and we're, we're talking about the massive impact that doing your taxes can, can have on you. And so actually, after the break, we're going to dive into what it is that we need to pay attention to when it comes to filing your 2020 taxes. We'll get to that right after the break. 
asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com.
All right, we're back, and we are one month out from tax day, and that's part of the reason we wanted to have Sean Mullaney on to talk about smart tax planning moves. And uh, Sean, before we dive into some of the specifics that people need to think through when it comes to uh, 2020 tax-specific issues, I, I kind of want to ask you something, uh, a question that's just a little more broad. Uh, if we put, I think, maybe uh, too much emphasis on tax planning are we potentially letting the tail wag the dog? I know that that's a concern that some people have is that maybe they're thinking about taxes too much. They're overthinking it. Uh, they're they're trying to get their tax bill down so hard that they're forgetting some of the other things that are important uh, in life. How much of an emphasis should we be putting on tax planning in our lives? Very much agree that we don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog, right? So your goal is something like financial independence. Maybe it's retirement at a certain age. Maybe it's funding the purchase of a home, right? You have financial goals. Your goal isn't to get the latest and greatest tax planning technique and get that on your tax return, right? That's a tactic that in many cases may be a great tactic. I'll give you one example. Tax planning for your kids. I see this a lot in, in the world as I talk to prospective clients, social media, Folks want to do tax planning that would benefit their children. And I think that's okay, but I think you should take care of your own finances first. I think that's the sort of thing, if you're at financial independence, go ahead and start thinking about tax planning for your kids. But if you're, you know, in your late 20s, early 30s, you've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old at home, and you're doing fine, but you're nowhere near financial independence, any tax planning that's for your children... I would put off, even if it's for college savings, right? I would invest in your own taxable brokerage accounts. You can mentally segregate that as that's for juniors college education, but it's in our name and it's our asset. And if we do really good financially and they turn 18 and they need money for college, we can tap into that resource and pay for some or all of their college. But maybe at age 18, we aren't doing so well. Mom and dad's finances aren't so good. Isn't it good that we've put that in our own account so that we can help ourselves? The best gift you can give financially to your children is stabilizing your own finances. Your Mm -hmm. kids have plenty of time to pay for their own college. You want to make sure your finances are stabilized. And once that happens, you get to say financial independence, then start thinking about maybe some tax planning for your kids if you qualify and it's the right answer. Love it. That's a great example. And so, Sean, let's, let's talk now. Let's shift to 2020. Yes. <laughs> there are some specific tax issues that have come up uh, because of the year that is formerly known as 2020, I guess now. <laughs> is that how we're referring to it now in the review? I don't know. But uh, So first, uh, for taxpayers out there who haven't received their full stimulus payment, how do they go about receiving what they are entitled to? So there is an opportunity to potentially receive more of the stimulus, right? Everybody thinks of the stimulus as those checks or direct deposits that came from the IRS during 2020. But it turns out what it is, is it's a tax credit on your 2020 tax return that was essentially prepaid by the IRS. And so what you want to be thinking about is how much money did I make in 2020 and If I made less money in 2020 than I did in 2019, that's one example, there might be an opportunity to actually get more stimulus tax credit. Let me give you a a brief example. I've written about this on my blog, but let's just say in in 2019, you know, it's a married couple, no children. They did really well in 2019. So they had 220,000 of adjusted gross income. Based on that adjusted gross income number, they got no stimulus check from the IRS, right? Let's just assume that's all true. 
Let's also say that one of those spouses in 2020 lost their job for a while because of coronavirus, okay? So their adjusted gross income went from $220,000 to $156,000, okay? When they file their 2020 tax return, they're going to get a whole lot of that stimulus because they're below the phase-out ranges for getting the stimulus. And not only that, they may have an additional tax planning opportunity. Let's just say they got no stimulus money. They've drafted their 2020 tax return. It says $156,000 of adjusted gross income. What could they do? They could, if one of them was not covered by an employer retirement plan, which is very possible, stay-at-home spouse, it could be you you work for a small employer, they don't have a retirement plan, that couple could write a $6,000 check to a deductible traditional IRA. That would lower their adjusted gross income to $150,000. They would save probably 22% federal income tax because they just have a deduction. But because the way the, the way the stimulus was structured, they would save an additional 10% on their federal income tax because they would get $600 in that example, 10% of 6,000 as additional stimulus. So even though they're in the 22% federal income tax bracket, by writing that $6,000 check to the traditional IRA and deducting it before April 15th, and again, this assumes that this is the spouse who is not covered by a workplace plan, they save $1,920 on their federal income tax or 32%. That's pretty good. And here's what they could even do after that. For 2021, they could convert that back to a Roth IRA. And assuming they are still in the 22% tax bracket, that would come back into income at a 22% hit. That's $1,320. So they would save $1,920 on the 2020 tax return. They would pay Uncle Sam $1,320 on the 2021 tax return. They would net $600 mm. uh, in, in federal tax savings, and the money winds up in a Roth IRA anyway. So there's right. certainly some planning opportunities to maybe maximize your stimulus if you didn't get the full check back in 2020. Yeah, I feel like, Sean, lowering your adjusted gross income has always been an important tactic, right? Uh, Taking advantage of those tax-advantaged accounts, retirement accounts, to lower, you know, the income that you report on your tax return is is a great move to lower your tax burden in the here and now. But it feels like it's it's even more important these days, kind of like you were just talking about, the implication that it can have on stimulus payments or, or healthcare subsidies or, yes. you know, maybe what, what you're able to qualify for in financial aid from colleges. So, yeah, like, can you talk more about maybe the added importance of lowering your age GI these days? And then, yeah, are there any, uh, with a month left to go before the tax filing deadline, how can people um, basically lower their AGI even more uh, legally, of course? (laughs) Yeah. So AGI, adjusted gross income, or a related concept, modified adjusted gross income, is sort of a test in the Internal Revenue Code for many different benefits. Qualification, perhaps to contribute to a Roth IRA, Um, premium tax credit for um, 
Affordable Care Act subsidies, right? These sorts of things, um, the ability to, to deduct certain things. So, you know, I, I think what you want to be thinking about is, yeah, are there ways to advantageously lower my adjusted gross income? Because that's going to have a sort of a ripple effect on other tax benefits mm-hmm. that will help me um, realize more tax savings. And so, you know, there are different ways to do it, but by you know by now, March of 2021, it can be a little difficult. But you want to be looking at things like, hey, did I have a high deductible health plan back in 2020? Could I maybe write a check to it for any uncontributed amount? Things like, do I qualify for a deductible traditional IRA? And does it make sense in my case? Right? There's still some planning that could be done. Something like maybe a SEP IRA or a solo 401k if I'm self-employed. There's limited opportunities there, but there can be some opportunities. So there, there are things that are still available in 2021 for the 2020 tax year. But you also want to be thinking about that going forward, right? Maybe I want to be thinking about that now for 2021 mm. and 2022. Someone, I mean, in a even better position for those years. I'm, I'm thinking too, does it make sense for folks to file their taxes uh, as soon as possible if they did see their income uh, dramatically decline last year in order to show that they're eligible for, for any additional stimulus? So let me give you the example of somebody who did much worse in 2020 than they did in 2019, right? There was a layoff. That person might want to accelerate filing their tax return for 2020 so as to get that to AGI on record with the IRS. And the flip is true too, right? So it might be that the economy changed in ways that very much benefited you in 2020. Your income went way up. Maybe you want to delay filing your 2020 tax return so any stimulus is based on 2019. Depends on each person's facts and circumstances. One thing to keep in mind you can file an extension of time to file your tax return to October 15th. Everybody's allowed to do that. One thing you're not allowed to do is to delay the payment of any taxes due. So if you want to extend the time to file the tax return, go ahead and do that. But remember, by April 15th, regardless of whether you file your return or you extend your return, you got to pay in to Uncle Sam and your state taxing authority. So make sure you make that payment, you know, do an estimate of your tax, you know, your taxable income and your taxes for 2020 and make a sufficient payment just to make sure you're paid in by April 15th. Well, we've talked here about some of the specifics for 2020. Uh, next, here right after the break, we're going to ask some higher level questions, <laughs> maybe about, and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, and it kind of got us thinking, but we want to talk to you about, I guess, when it makes sense to pay tax now versus you know paying tax later. We're going to kind of get to some of those questions surrounding optimization, right, when it comes to your taxes. So we'll get to that right after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. 
If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money all right we're back we're still talking taxes and tax planning with sean mulaney and uh sean you did touch on this earlier but i want to kind of go back to it and dive just a little bit deeper. Most people think about taxes on a year by year basis. Like what do I owe this year? What will I owe next year? And they're not thinking about it as holistically as they could be. Um, maybe about taxes across a multiple year span or even potentially across their entire lifetime, right? But but how can we keep the our future <laughs> tax liability in mind so that we can make smart tax planning moves now? Joel, that's a great question. I like to think about reducing total lifetime taxes. And that's especially true in this new environment for W-2 workers, right? There are some de deductions you can add on to a tax return today, but for the most part, it's not about, hey, I saved so much this year because I got this great new deduction. It's really about what can I do 
to reduce total lifetime taxation. And so some of that is retirement savings planning, right? So whether that's a Roth IRA, a so-called backdoor Roth IRA, uh, 401ks, 403bs, 457s at work, things like uh, solo 401ks and self-employment and those sorts of things. I think what you want to do is think about what are those ways that I can optimize so that later in life when I'm getting passive income, I'm getting distributions from retirement accounts, social security, those sorts of things, how can I make sure that later in life I'm in a relatively low tax bracket and so some of that, some of that is op- opportunistic planning, right? So maybe I have a, a low tax year, right? Something like 2020 happens, I get laid off. Maybe I do some Roth conversions in that year, right? Um, maybe I just make sure that I'm contributing lots to HSAs, 401ks, Roth IRAs. It's just thinking long-term as opposed to that instant gratification of, I'm going to go search for the latest and greatest tax deduction. Yeah. I think long-term planning is the best type of tax planning. Yeah, and, and you know, you just you mentioned Roth conversions. This is something we've talked about maybe on the show a while ago. And obviously, that's when you convert funds from a traditional IRA to a Roth. But can you explain to our listeners what the advantage is of doing that uh, specifically? Like you said, if you had a down year, maybe when you didn't make quite as much money. Yeah. So two points on that. One is just a simple tax arbitrage play, right? So. Maybe you had a coronavirus type year, you got laid off, or maybe you went back to grad school, right? Or maybe you're in early retirement. And so when you do your tax return, it doesn't show a whole lot of income. Maybe it shows a little part-time job, a little interest from the bank. And it's like, oh, actually, I'm not reporting much taxable income at all here. I'm in maybe the 10% federal tax bracket. What I should do before year end is convert some old traditional retirement accounts, usually a traditional IRA, to a Roth IRA. In many cases, that's fully taxable, right? But the idea is I'm going to affirmatively get taxed in a year. I'm subject to, say, a 10% or 12% federal income tax bracket so that years down the road when I withdraw that, it's going to be tax-free as long as I do it right. But let's assume I'm going to withdraw that years down the road. I shouldn't have any problem as long as I'm withdrawing it after age 59 and a half. And I likely may not even have any problem if I withdraw it before age 59 and a half. You got to thread the needle a little more there. But regardless, what I'm trying to do is move my income into those years when I'm at a low tax bracket. The other piece of this is growth, right? So let's say I have a half million dollars in a traditional retirement account today. Who knows what that thing's going to grow to, right? Maybe that thing grows to 1.5 million, 2 million. If I live long enough, that's very possible. Wouldn't it be nice to get that growth outside of taxable outside of US taxation? Hmm. One of the ways I do that is through Roth conversions. So, you know, there it may be, hey, you know, I'm affirmatively leaning into paying a lot of tax today to get all that growth out. Now, again, your your circumstances may vary on that, but again, getting that growth out of t- uh, taxation is also very valuable. Let's talk about like uh, business taxes here for a second too, and business retirement plans specifically. You you, you mentioned earlier on in the podcast uh, solo four hundred and one ks and SEP IRAs, and you know Matt and I <laughs> we've actually you know I, I recently left the corporate world. I had the sweet access to a Vanguard four hundred and one k, 
no longer have that. Um, but so now we're talking about what it looks like to have our own business retirement plan. We've batted around solo 401k, SEP IRA. So yeah, I'd love kind of your opinion, Sean, because I think you're actually in the middle of writing a book about uh, solo 401ks. And so yeah, how would you suggest businesses think through uh, which plans they, which plan they institute, um, a solopreneur or, or uh, you know, a joint effort like Matt and I? Yeah. So the first thing you need to think about, Joel, is qualification, right? You are able to do a solo 401k or a SEP IRA as long, generally speaking, as you have no other employees. And there's actually there's tax rules on that and there are plan rules on that. So there's a tax rule in terms of what an employee is, but it may be that the plan has a different rule for what an employee is. I know of at least one solo 401k, any non-spouse employees for one minute is an employee, right? That's not the tax rule, that's the plan rule. So you always wanna be thinking about qualification. But let's assume you qualify for both a SEP IRA and a solo 401k. In such cases, I generally prefer the solo 401k. Why do I say that? The solo 401k has both employee and employer contributions. The SEP IRA only has employer contributions. And so it's gonna be the case that you're generally able to contribute more to a solo 401k than you are to a SEP IRA. Other feature about a solo 401k, it has the Roth option, right? Different plans may not offer that, but you can find solo 401k plans that have the Roth option. So maybe you do a Roth employee contribution and then a deductible employer contribution. I've blogged about this issue. There's a blog post on my site that talks about the SEP IRA versus the solo 401k. Long story short, if you qualify for both, you ought to very seriously consider the solo 401k. And here's one last point. October's a big month for this, right? If you haven't thought about solo 401k, SEP IRA, retirement plans, no later than October would I say, all right, let me see how much money I've made and should I set up a solo 401k for the year? If you have an S corporation, it's probably earlier than October, but if you're self-employed or you have a partnership, maybe it's more like, all right, in October, I'm gonna be very intentional around this. I'm not gonna wait to the next tax year. I'm not gonna wait to the filing deadline. I'm gonna get out in front of this before year end. I'm gonna make my arrangements, make sure everything's in place, so that way I'm not scrambling before I file my tax return. So get out in front of this stuff, especially if you're self-employed, October is sort of a good um, place or time to do that. For an S corporation, it's probably as early as possible in the year. Um, Just a few thoughts on that whole solo 401k versus SEP IRA uh, discussion. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's good to note. You need to make sure we get ahead of this thing <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> before this fall. Uh, but you know, Sean. So speaking of scrambling, you know, folks are often kind of scrambling at the end of the year to make tax moves. Oftentimes, it's because we've forgotten to to do proper tax planning <laughs> throughout the year. And so, what can people start doing right now so that they aren't freaking out come December at the end of the year, or or even come April? You know, right before actual tax filing uh, deadlines couple things on that. One, like we talked about earlier, is get your tax return filed for 2020, okay? And let's assume you're able to do that relatively soon. Then take a week or two off and then review that tax return. Where are the weaknesses? Where is it, oh, we took distributions from an HSA and that sounds like that might be tax inefficient. Or we've, we have high capital gain distributions. Or did we not make a Roth IRA contribution for 2020 and why was that, right? So I'd say... Take some time off once you get your tax return filed. 
then in a couple weeks, pull it out, look at it strategically. And then, you know, I, I think part of it needs to be a shift away from year end planning to, like I said, October is a great time to do tax planning, right? Why don't we get in front of that versus, hey, we're going to do this in conjunction with the holidays, in conjunction with year end. Let's see where we are in October, because at that point, we're going to have 75% of our year in, and we're going to have a pretty good idea of what November and December might look like. Let's do some tax planning then. I, I think mm -hmm. those would be sort of the two big things. Look at your old tax return strategically and move year end up to something more like October, where mm -hmm. you've got enough information where you could do some really good tax planning. Well, Sean, this has been an awesome conversation. Lots of helpful and actionable advice for our listeners. Uh, where, can, uh, where can How to Money listeners find out more about you and what you're up to? Thanks so much. Um, you can find me. My financial planning firm website is MulaneyFinancial.com. My blog is FiTaxGuy.com. Awesome. Well, Sean, thanks again so much. And, you know, we'll put links to both of those websites in our show notes. And yeah, man, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time today. Matt and Joel, it's been a, a tremendous honor and pleasure to be with you today. All right, Joel. So taxes, not the most exciting thing to talk about, right? <laughs> it's it's something that we have to talk about. It's something, and, and there's good reason for it too. You know, there's a reason that Sean has dedicated his life <laughs> to, to helping people when it comes to their personal finances, when it comes to taxes, is because of the massive impact that it has on our money. And so even though it's not something that we necessarily want to spend time talking about, it is so important. And I'm glad that we were able to, to sit down here with Sean and talk about taxes. What was your big takeaway from this episode, man? All right. So there was certainly a lot to take away from this episode, but I think my big takeaway was about when you should DIY uh, taxes or not. Mm. And that was something we covered early on in the episode. But if you have a basic situation that remains unchanged uh, from last year, and, and it was basically your W-2 worker, you have yeah. a 401k, and, and really that's the extent of the craziness. <laughs> your financial life really isn't all that complex. You should probably be doing your own taxes. And you know he didn't mention this, but in all likelihood, you can and should be doing your taxes for free, right? And um, we talked about that before too. IRS's free file program is one place you can turn. Credit Karma is another place to turn. But the more complex your situation gets, the more likely you're going to want to hire somebody. And I feel like, especially when we were talking about your AGI and stimulus payments um, and all these kind of things, in particular, in the tax year 2020, uh, there could be even more reason for you to hire somebody this year than even in previous years. There's more on the line. So yeah, that was my big takeaway is that you know if you have a simple situation, file your own taxes, that's fine. If your situation gets complex at all, you really probably want to start reaching out to a tax preparer to make sure that you're doing it right, that you're not overpaying in taxes or uh, you know potentially leaving uh, money on the table. Sure. Yeah, that's right. And a quick reminder too for folks, stimulus payments are not taxed. So just because you received a stimulus payment, don't think that that overly complicates your situation, right? Right. Uh, one, okay. So my big takeaway is going to be towards the end of the episode, he talked about starting to prepare for that year's tax return in October. <laughs> so before the year even ends, October hits, you've had 75% of the year realizing that it's pretty easy to forecast what you're going to be making in you know, the next three months. But I just like how that leaves margin, basically, right? It leaves time at the end of the year for you to make any tweaks, any changes uh, that might be 
better made, uh, it, you know, that year versus waiting until that, you know, special period of time between January and April when you can make some tweaks, you can make some changes, you can contribute to a Roth IRA, right? Uh, but there are going to be other things that you cannot do. So I do like the idea of starting to kind of wrap your head around your tax game towards the end of the year, uh, not waiting until the next year. And not waiting until December 15th when you're like a chicken with your head cut off <laughs> yeah. trying to figure things out. Exactly. When you have a couple of months really to, to plan things out, you have enough information, you know, at the ready and you have enough runway to make the changes that you need to make. Absolutely. I agree. I, when he said that, I was like, that's well, right. <laughs> October, of course, is the perfect time to do tax planning. It makes so much sense. I mean, I think most people don't think about taxes until they start re getting forms in the mail, right? right? So end of January, they're, they're not really thinking about taxes at all until then. But in some circumstances, by then, it can be too late. Uh, so yeah, that's something that he mentioned that, yeah, like you said, I was just like, well, duh, of course. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I don't know why I've never personally done that. And I'm going to sneak in one other uh, takeaway, which was that if you live in California, you can get to Hawaii for 400 bucks. Oh my gosh. That's pretty good. I mean, yeah, that's that's really good considering I've never been to Hawaii. So hearing him talk about it, I'm like, oh man, one of these days I'm going to make it out there. How to money trip. Let's do it. I don't know about how to money trip. How to, like trip with me and my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch your kids. We got a big anniversary coming up next year. So there, there yeah, you go. that might be it. We'll see. Are your kids can hang out with us while well, you guys they, go. All four of them? Oh, yeah. I got this. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's, that sounds like madness. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the Brady Bunch, man. We can do it. Uh, all right. Well, let's get back to the beer we had on the show, too, man. The beer that we drank on the show today was called Pika Juice Slushy XL. XL. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, um, I, I was my neighbor, Mark, brought this over yesterday, and he was like, hey, yeah, here, have a couple beers. And I was like, all right, we'll have them on the show. And this one is by 450 North Brewing Company. This Which I've never heard of. Have you ever had any of their beers before? No, but I'd read about them. I think they're, like, they're famous for their fruit slushy beers. Nice. Um, it, but I will say, man, it looks like a juice box can. And I do not like labels like this. My kids would assume they could drink this if yeah. they saw it in the, <laughs> in the pantry. Um, and I'm not down with that. Your one-year-old sitting there just like pointing up, juice? Yeah. Juice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, what, what were your thoughts on this beer, man? Well, as soon as we cracked it and poured it, I will give you credit for uh, this tasting note. But you're like, dude, it smells just like a banana runt. <laughs> and I couldn't agree more, man. Uh, as we were pouring it, I was just, I mean, the banana in it was overwhelming. That, so it's got lemon, pineapple, and banana in this beer. Uh, I don't think either one of us have ever had a, a beer with banana in it. It's never not your typical fruit. You know, raspberry, sure. Blueberry, yeah. Cherry, of course. Banana? Not so much. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> that. And so I think you and I were both a little hesitant when it came to this beer. But it turns out, I like it. <laughs> it definitely had some over-the-top banana flavors. Uh, but the, you know, what I pulled out, though, the, the, the lemon. The lemon was clutch. Mm. So it kind of ended with almost like this lemon, uh, like, pith like a lemon bitterness. It reminded me of like a lemon meringue pie a little bit yeah. where like you've got the, the, the sweetness from the fruit, but it also kind of finishes and ends with a, a slight sour bitterness. I think that's a part of what makes it not taste just like a smoothie. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, really liked it, man. I'm glad, uh, glad we could share this one on the show. What were your thoughts? I, I do think the lemon and pineapple saved it from being too banana-y, mm -hmm. but, but that was the, the first taste I got in my mouth and that was the overwhelming scent too of it. It, it, it did smell like banana runs to me and that's my least favorite runt <laughs> no way yeah the banana ones are my least favorite I had a slightly delayed reaction there because i was finishing my beer <laughs> <laughs> well yeah Dude, I, I love the banana runts as a kid like i would i would say those for last because i, lo I love them so much so. see th there's a there's a reason we're best friends because i would have like picked them out and given them to you and i would have eaten the other ones. i would have gladly taken them to you. <laughs> well yeah at first i it was off-putting to me but then i kind of got used to it and i was like you know what banana in a beer i guess because i'd never had banana in a beer before i was like this is this is weird this isn't normal and then the more i got into it i was like okay i can dig it yeah um, it, it still probably would 
wouldn't be like a beer that I would grab off the shelf and flock to, uh, you know, on a regular basis. But it definitely grew on me, and I think the lemon and pineapple really salvaged this one. And a big thanks to my neighbor, Mark, for donating this beer to the show. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Uh, and Joel, that's going to be it for this episode. Listeners can find our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. No doubt. Happy tax preparing. You got one month left. And uh, the clock's ticking. <laughs> clock's ticking. <laughs> so that's it for now. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.